3: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bone in somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to K Kramerica. People want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job, not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. There's only one question that matters here, right now. Was this a real bottom today? We had an incredible reversal, with the averages plummeting this morning, the Dow losing 548 points before the whole market turned around. Dow ultimately closing off just 126 points, and by the way, it was almost out, it was like down 30 in the last half hour. Uh, NAS, uh, S&P uh, off 0.55%, uh, NASDAQ dropped 0.42%. But is this a sustainable turn, or is it just another head fake, like the one we got last Tuesday? First, why don't I go back to last Tuesday when stocks were surging higher. One guy told you the market wasn't done going down. One guy, Mark Sebastian. He's our resident volatility expert. Exactly one week ago, the bulls were trampling every kind of bear, and things looked, well, they were sure looking up. So I asked Sebastian if the move had any staying power as part of our off-the-charts segment. No, said categorically not. In fact, based on the huge spike in the volatility index, or the VIX for short, he predicted that we were about to have a vicious shakeout, a total hammering. How will we know when the real bottom would arrive? Normally, the S&P 500 and the VIX move in opposite directions, correct? When stocks go down, the VIX goes up, because the VIX is a very good proxy for the level of fear in the market. Sebastian explained that the averages would bottom if they made new lows and the VIX – Did not make a new high. Sure enough, that's exactly what happened today, right before the market turned. Yeah, you know, the VIX had spiked to 29 the week before, right before the big sell off. And today, in the midst of the sell off, what did it do? It only went to 24. Big check for the bulls. Second, the late Mark Haynes always told me that when you see down volume outnumbering up volume by 9 to 1, that means the sellers have lost their minds. We hit 10 to 1 today when the Dow was down 500, so we got that box checked too. Hey, by the way, a minus 5.7% reading on the S&P 500's proprietary oscillator that came out this very evening and that I pay for that oscillator confirms that overly zealous selling pressure, well, let's just say could be wrong here. That level says too late to sell. If anything, you got to do what you did on my charitable trust. You got to start buying. Third, it's it's painful, by the way, to buy, but you had to. Third, let's talk earnings. We know that between the president's trade war and the Fed plan to keep interest rates rising in lockstep, we got a real tough backdrop here. But today, we got some spectacular earnings from McDonald's with 5% international growth, even as the U.S. came just a tad softer than expected. Still, as McDonald's rolls out delivery and a fresher food menu, energizing its franchisee base. I have to believe the American business will start picking up, too, hence why the stock gained 6.3%. Last week, Honeywell reported an incredible quarter, much better than expected. But the backdrop was so hideous, no one cared. Today, United Technologies delivered a similarly fantastic quarter, and its stock surged higher, up 2.8%. On the conference call, CEO Greg Hayes told us he still believes he can make the Rockwell Collins deal happen, the aerospace acquisition that's been held up by Chinese regulators. Once they close on Rockwell Collins, United Technologies can break itself into three separate companies, aerospace, climate controls, and elevators, which will unlock a ton of value. By the way, the Otis elevator business saw a 14% increase in Chinese orders as the PRC has gotten aggressive about stimulating construction projects to bolster its economy. It was a fantastic quarter. Memo to Honeywell uh, analysts, tomorrow's your day. You should come out and say, listen, this Honeywell quarter was every bit as good as what Greg Hayes delivered. All right, what else? How about Verizon? Verizon, sleepy old Verizon, gave you terrific beat, very low churn, big boost in subscriber numbers. This sleepy stock, one that most had written off going into the year, it closed with a 4% gain in one day. That's astounding. Of course, Caterpillar stock plunged 7.6%, but I've never seen such a two-faced analysis offered all day about this tremendous company. It was insane. You know what the truth was? The company reported a fantastic quarter, despite what you heard. Excellent Chinese orders. Sure, it wasn't as strong as the first quarter, but so what? They told you it wouldn't be. In January, Caterpillar was trading at $173. Now it's at $119. Stock's down nearly 31% for heaven's sake. And now these people tell you, be careful. Fools. Balance sheet's great. Orders are better. I'd be a buyer of Cat here, not a seller. And I didn't like it at 158. How about the breakdown in 3M? What? Is that clip? Uh, no. sure I know. You I got to draw the line. 3M's numbers were simply unacceptable. Unacceptable for the great American company that 3M is. They saw an inexcusable slowdown in a host of businesses, including healthcare down 2.8%, electronics and energy down 4.8%, consumer off 3.4%. I mean, That's just horrible. Now, I could spin you a story about currency-adjusted mumbo-jumbo, but at the end of the day, 3M has an execution problem. If this new CEO, Michael Roman, keeps putting up such pitiful numbers, I got to tell you, I do not think he will last for long. My trust owns it. I was embarrassed, mortified even. I've known this company for 30 years. My father repped their products in Philadelphia. I'll tell you this, this is not the 3M I know. Now here's an interesting ex- exercise. The averages hit their lowest levels in five months today. About three quarters of the stocks in the S and P 500 are currently in bear market territory. But what about the companies in the Dow Jones Industrial Average that have already reported so far during the season? Let's check them out. Let's check them out. Okay, so American Express, Verizon, McDonald's, United Technologies, Johnson and Johnson, J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Procter and Gamble, and United Health all reported sharply better than expected earnings. Travers delivered an okay number. 3M and IBM were abysmal, although the latter seems to have bottomed here, just like Larry Williams, the legendary technician, predicted on last night's Off the Charts. Let's see, what have we got? Nine good, one okay, two bad. I mean, I find that encouraging. How about you? Uh, but because the tape acts so terribly, nobody's willing to deal with the facts, except for me, because I'm bound by them, not by the emotions. What else? I love it when a stock gets downgraded and it still manages to rally. This is a textbook sign that bottom bottoms at hand. The semiconductor group rebounded dramatically after being hit with a brutal industry-wide downgrade. Now, Texas Instruments, after the close, gave us tepid guidance. But let's see if the group doesn't bounce further tomorrow. Watch NVIDIA. That's going to be the tail. NVIDIA needs to hold, say, 214, 215. Uh, I told you to sell it higher, but geez, it's getting a little interesting. All right, let's get to the heart of the matter. What's going on? What continues to go on is a vicious pincer movement. We're caught between our president's relentlessly hard line against the Chinese, deserve it or not, and the Fed's relentlessly hard line against the economy, totally undeserved. That pincer move is not over. Many Fed leaders came out today and said things are fantastic in the economy, accelerating even. These people are doing no work. Meanwhile, I see no breakthrough with the Chinese on the horizon. But we are beginning to get a decline in housing prices, and oil has fallen off a cliff because the Saudis want to make nice to President Trump, both bullish for the inflation picture and rates, i got to tell you. Here's one you haven't heard from anybody else. I think they may have peaked for the year. Many of the remaining raw cost increases are man-made, and the Fed has to wake up to the fact that raising short-term rates, the the ones they control, is a silly way to fight our own tariffs. Finally, let's accept the fact that this market has gotten bent-spindled and mutilated for days on end because of the same negative drumbeat, inflation, anti-growth rhetoric from the Fed, endless chatter from the president against China. There's only so much we can go down on the same news. Looking at these earnings, I see inflation peaking for the cycle. I see the Fed being able to declare victory, although whether they actually want to is another question. And I see a president who, after the midterms, can stop being so darn ferocious about China, which should make it much easier for the Communist Party to come to the table. And by the way, I'm not saying I disagree with them. You know that I think he should take an even harder line. I'm just saying maybe you do it a little less, let's say, uh, how about quieter? Hmm, maybe that would be a way to get your job done, Mr. President. Quiet. Anyway. Uh, That's how we turned a terrible day into a pretty decent one. The bottom line, I think the next decline will produce buyers at the levels we saw at the bottom today, not sellers, as we're now going into a seasonally positive period with the end of mutual fund selling and the conclusion of the haunted house of late October. In other words, the bottom may be put in on the next swoon down if it isn't in already. John, is out to go to John. Hey Jim,
0: good afternoon, and a good booyah to you in a wild market day. How are you?
3: I am good. How about you?
0: Hey, pretty good. My stock is Polaris, and I follow all your training, all your training rules, and I subscribe to Action Alert Plus. But I'm Thank entering you. the house of pain. If you look at Polaris, they're doing all the right things. They have beat earnings expectations three times in a row. They dropped the Victory motorcycle product line and went all in on the Indian brand. Yeah. They just bought Boat Inc. last year and it's assertive to earnings. They now have pontoon boats as well as cruisers. They're buying the key parts supplier. And more and most importantly I think Scott Smith, who's doing a heck of a good job, oh, he's, he's addressing his tariff issue in a really unique
3: way. Yeah, but that's the problem, Scott. The fact is that Scott Wine uh, does have to address the tariff issue. And if you have to address the tariff issue, then you're already considered to be a loser. And that's what happened to him. And by the way, can I just say that that is one tough business? And let's not, let's not forget that it's like Thor, okay? It's, uh, it was a great experiential thing until it's not experiential anymore. Bill in Florida, Bill! Hey, Jim, first-time caller, long-time listener, back in the Kudlow days. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm calling from the Florida Panhandle, and I'm calling about Plantronics. You know, in July, they had the merger, and the stock shot up to 82. I could understand some fallout, but not a haircut like 33%. So I'm wondering, is there a black sheep in this family? Well, I think a lot of people feel, first of all— I hope everyone in the Panhandle is doing well. Cape San Blas, Mexico Beach, Apalachicola, really. Uh, three of my haunts, I know they were hit hard, so I hope everybody is uh, rebuilding. I know they are tough people there, and they will. Plantronics is too commoditized. I've always felt that about the company. I've always felt there was nothing special. It was never Harman Kardon, and frankly, it isn't Logitech either. All right, bottoms up. The market is stabilizing. and I believe the next decline will produce buyers, not sellers. Or will money tonight. After a volatile day on the averages, one stock managed to stay in the green all day. I'll tell you what the movement Pulte Group can mean for the overall market. And the Dow was down 548 points at its low today before rebounding. I know the volatility, act, the bottle action, can be scary, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to talk it through. Call me or tweet me. And then as that flirted with correction territory today, with tech stocks having a real impact on the market, how is a fantastic company like Workday stock handling the current environment? I'm talking with the CEO. Stay with Kramer.
4: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Looking for a rewarding, life changing opportunity that enhances the lives of children in your community? With almost 50 years of experience, Huntington Learning Center is the nation's leading K-12 tutoring and test prep franchise, dedicated to shaping brighter futures for our students and franchisees. Huntington is the top revenue-producing supplemental education franchise in the U.S., and our proven system is the key to success for you and your students. The Huntington Advantage includes low startup cost, turnkey systems, dedicated support teams, national and local marketing support and multiple revenue streams to help you build a life-enriching and profitable business. No education experience needed. In today's environment, the need for tutoring has never been greater. When you become part of Huntington Learning Center, you're filling an urgent need in the growing $5 billion supplemental education industry. To learn more, visit HuntingtonFranchise.com. Make a meaningful difference, pursue your dreams of business ownership, and be a positive force in your community. Don't wait. Visit HuntingtonFranchise.com today.
3: The most important part of the action today wasn't the averages. It was the stock of a single home builder, Pulte Group, which vaulted 7.6% in one session. We've seen homebuilder after homebuilder report genuinely good results, and then their stocks just absolutely got obliterated. Pulte posted better-than-expected headline numbers, but there was also some weakness, like first-time orders down 13%, and that's for the starter homes. And I think its an ability to rally tells you that this bedraggled cohort may fail finally be finding a bottom. And you know I have hated these stocks forever. If you look at what led this market down, it was housing and the housing stocks. The Fed's lockstep rate hikes pretty much stopped this industry in its tracks, as higher rates makes homes less affordable. That's why the thing that really boosted Pulte's numbers was senior living. Yes, so-called active adult buyers. They had orders up 22%, basically fancy retirement homes. The funny thing is that the housing stocks may become investable precisely because the Fed has put the kibosh on increasing home prices. With mortgage rates at 5%, homes are now unaffordable for large swaths of the country. On top of that, who the heck wants to sell their existing house with, say, a 3.5% mortgage to buy a new one uh, with a 5% mortgage? The stocks were reflecting a collapse in the price of homes. Now that we are getting it, the stocks become more not less compelling. I know it seems counterintuitive, but if the stock's cratered ahead of the facts and then the facts go down, the stocks get more interesting. That's the way our business works. Real estate's a funny business. The housing cycle goes like this. Prices rise, multiple bidders try to buy the same home. Then one day the price gets so high that the bidders vanish. We're now at that point in many areas of the country. In some geographies, notably San Francisco, Seattle, New York, prices have already started going down, in some cases very steeply. But in other areas, sellers keep waiting for those buyers to come in and kick the tires. But traffic is going way down because of this affordability issue I just mentioned. So prices stay the same for a bit, okay, until the sellers figure this out. And they break price until buyers come back. And it's usually at substantially lower, more affordable levels. That's the cycle. And it's now playing out exactly as the stocks foretold it would. There are only two ways to get the real estate market moving in. First, mortgage rates have to come down. That's not going to happen anytime soon. Fed's determined to slam on the brakes on housing. Heard a bunch of Fed heads today saying, well, yeah, we're good. GOOD, I MEAN clue CLUELESS, IT'S FUNNY, um, the, THE FED HAS ALREADY SUCCEEDED BEYOND ITS WILDEST DREAMS, THEY JUST REFUSE TO ACKNOWLEDGE IT OR THEY DON'T WATCH THE SHOW, BUT THAT'S FINE, TOO. Hey, let them laugh again like they did in 07. (laughs) Anyway, this means sellers need to cut prices and offer incentives, which is another win for the Fed. I believe much of the country is now adjusting to the lack of affordability. Of course, because there's a shortage of land in many areas, you don't see the kind of supply-demand imbalance that would cause a genuine housing crash like we had in 2008. But if the Fed tightens four more times, as they've told us they will do with their blinkers on and not even concerned about the reality, well, let's just say... It's going to be real bad for homeowners. Now, I don't want to be a downer. Housing got too expensive because the Fed spent years trying to encourage people to take advantage of cheap mortgages. You know, I have a 2.57 mortgage on my house. That's right, 2.57%, which makes it spectacularly affordable. Am I going to pay double that now for a new home? and, And, you know, I can't transfer my mortgage to that. Nada. Even after Polty's incredibly run today, the stock is still down more than 32% for the year. Hey, let's call it a relief rally. But the ultimate takeaway here is that the first group to roll over in this whole market was the home builders. And they've finally gotten so beaten up that a 1% gain in orders is enough to satiate the sellers and to suddenly bring in buyers. No, I wouldn't buy the home builders here. Housing prices still need to go lower nationwide, and that will take months. But it's a very encouraging sign that Pulte was able to rally. The fact that buyers can see value in this hideous group was the single most bullish development in a pretty darn bullish turnaround of a session. Stick with Craig.
2: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and
3: Okay, today was a wild one. Nobody likes looking down the barrel of a down 548 market. at least it will me. But guess what, Ukraine okay, America? I'm here to help. We'll get through this together. We always have, come on, 14 years, right? That's pretty much what we're going on. Before we take some calls, let me walk you through a little timeline of today. It's a tale of the tape, Mad Money stuff. All right, now obviously look, you know, that was funny. You knew that that couldn't hold, there was no reason. And then this is where we started taking a header and you took a look at what's what's really driving it down here. Okay, well, 3M, which was disappointing. We talked about that at the top, but you know what? United Technology was very good. Caterpillar wasn't as bad as we thought. So then we make this comeback and we actually hold right here for a little bit. And then we try to take THIS OUT AND WHAT HAPPENS, WE DON'T TAKE OUT THE BOTTOM. MEANWHILE, THE VIX, which spike right here starts going down? Remember what I told you last Tuesday that the VIX would peak before the market. It gave you a nice heads up that this was going to then rally. We got that. Now the rally started a little too soon. And why do I say it started a little too soon? Because right here, when you move up here, imagine this. Maybe maybe you were courageous and you bought stock right here. So what happens? You flip it into this top of the day, and then the market can't take out what would have been a fantastic comeback. So what you're basically Looking at is a very typical bottoming pattern. Why? Because the next time it comes down here, the shorts are going to be afraid that it's going to be a snapback. So we've probably seen the lows for this period were more than minus five on the oscillator I follow. We had huge down to up. I mean, at one point, as I mentioned earlier, we had ten stocks down for every one up. That is typically what the late Mark Keynes has told is the is the told me is the place that you had to stop shorting and start buying. And all in all, I know it's a loss, right? People say this is an L for the bulls, but you know what? If they hadn't run out of timeouts, they might have won. Roxanne in Oregon. Roxanne. Hi, Jim. Booya. How are you doing today? I am doing well, Roxanne. How about you? Oh,
0: I'm doing all right.
3: All right. Um, let's go to work.
0: Okay. I wanted to ask you about Oshkosh, O-S-K. It's getting kind of scary to watch this stock take such a dive back in January. It was up to hundred and now it's all the way down to 56 Right. Um, and really, really dropped over this past week. Um, is it because of the China thing or, or is there something else going on with Oshkosh uh, that's making it take such a dive or is it just this general market Well, thing? I think
3: it's the military trucks. Frankly, I think that there's a belief that the uh, Dems are going to take over the, uh, uh, the house I think that's not a totally uninformed view. I think there are a lot of people who feel that it's come, uh, that it's it's crunch time, and the Democrats have a shot. If that's the case, then anybody who's been buying uh, companies that have military spend are going to lose, and that's why that stock is down. It's funny. I got to tell you something, Roxanne. If the Democrats win at this point, I'm sorry. If the Democrats win at this point, I, I think the stock will go higher. That's how down it is. Let's go to Tyler in Washington. Tyler. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I've, uh, I've invested some money in the last few years and I was planning on using it for a down payment on a home in the okay. next probably two to four years. All right. And so, you know, lately I've been seeing that money start to disappear, and I'm wondering, you know, what I should do with it. All right. When you're using a time frame of two to four years, my rule of thumb is that you can't have as much money as you'd like in the stock market. That's that period. And it's, by the way, up to five years, where I really don't think that you can have a huge amount of money. Look, there was one point where I sell systemic risk, and what I said, Tyler, was, you know what? If you need money for the next five years, you got to take it out. And then that money was cut in half, and I felt Great, because a lot of people decided to take their money out at the bottom, which is what I feared. But let's cut it back by 50. Cut it back by 50%, okay? And then you can let the rest run. I, am not, I do not want on my hands the idea that you're not going to be able to buy a house because the market goes lower. Mary Kay in Colorado. Mary Kay. Hi, Jim. Hey, I'm someone who
0: has no financial background, but you have really helped shape me into a decent investor, and I want to thank you for that. Oh,
3: you're welcome. You're welcome.
0: Thank you. Uh, so, given current market conditions, I'm wondering what percentage of my portfolio I should be transitioning into cash
3: or more defensive names right now. Okay, well, first, if you don't mind, let me ask some questions. Uh, your age, yeah. Mary Kay? Okay, I'll say, okay, it's 50. You can give me a rough average. My wife's it's in her 50s, her late to mid to early 50s. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, yes. That too, <laughs> okay, similar age to my wife. All right, um, look, uh, in the old days when I got in this business, it was uh, in the early 80s, life expectancy was different from what it is now, and our goal would have been to have you maybe in 65% bonds. Interest rates don't make are, are still too low, even if for these Fed hikes to make a huge amount of money for you. And I'm betting you're going to have a long and I hopeful, ha- happy and healthy life. I don't want you to have any less than seventy percent in the stock market, and you can put the thirty percent in some one, three, five-year paper, so to speak, CDs. And if the market comes down, I'm going to ask you to put more in the market because you're just not going to get the return that you need to be able to save up for retirement using bonds. Michael in New York. Michael.
0: Hey, a big booyah to you, Jim.
3: Right back.
5: Uh, real quick, I just want to say I just finished a couple months ago Get Rich Carefully, and it was tremendously helpful. Just oh, thank you. Of it
3: still holds, I mean, yeah. I put that book took me more time to write than all the others. I was, frankly, I know I should do a, a revision of it, uh, but you know what? The book business, I'm going to be very candid, is a very tough business now. And, uh, and frankly, an unrewarding one, because you just don't get the kind of one-on-one attention when you're writing a book. I know this is a little off category, but it just hasn't been fun to write. And I love to write so much, but not well, books. As a new, not books. As a new
5: investor, I would just like to thank you.
3: Well, sure. Well, let's, let's go to work. What do we have?
5: Sure. So my question is, with the recent weakness in growth stocks, mainly FAANG, would you recommend buying into growth at this better price point or switching over to value stocks due to the weakness we're seeing in
3: growth? No, no, you have to go with uh, Fang, and here's why. Uh, Fang has no China, and we obviously, uh, uh, on October 4th, Vice President Pence wrote a speech that I think people, everyone in America has to read because it was very much like a containment speech against against China, and then uh, the Federal Reserve is 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 bent on squelching inflation wherever it can find it. Uh, when that happens, the companies with the highest price earnings multiples are the ones that benefit. So what it comes down to is you have a twofold reason why to own stocks that people have given up on. May I also just say Facebook X. It seems to have a hard time taking out $150, does not it? I want to go to Jory in Texas. Jory. Hey, Jim. First of all, I want to thank you for the day-to-day wisdom you provide us with
5: in this crazy market environment.
3: Ah, uh, you're terrific. I, you know, I saw someone nice stop me on the street today saying that. And I said, well, you know, and I was in a hurry. and I didn't want to stop, candidly. I was in a hurry. I was late for a, an appointment with Workday. But you know what? You stop and you talk and you learn. I learn, Not him. I learned. And I did. How can I help you? Well, my question is in regards to the airline industry. With the exception
5: of United, Delta, American, Southwest, and JetBlue are all down 10% or more since October 1st. Right. Uh, oil has gone down from 75 to 66 dollars, and the airline's historical peak is in December and January. Given the current market turmoil, is now the time to buy into the
2: airline?
3: Yes. Yes, P- precisely you what that? you said. Precisely what you said. Jory and I are the only two people who are looking at this. Oil is getting crushed. Everybody lowered numbers because oil. Oh, there was an article today about t- cruise ships and the gasoline and what it could do to the airlines and jet fuel. And it was almost like disinformation Soviet style. The fact is, is that oil's come down. And oil is their biggest cost, people are still traveling, and I'm taking a hard look and urge you to take a look at Southwest Airlines at 57 symbol. L-U-V. Alright, up, down, up, down. Can't stomach this market's wild ride? Hey, come on, that's why you're tuning in. That's why we're in Cramerica. I got you back in this volatility bush where we have money ahead. The recent sell-off has been tough, particularly for the cloud plays. So how is a company like Workday, an outstanding company, withstanding the unknowns? I'm talking with the CEO. Then Logitech is one of the hottest areas in all darn market, eSports. But the stock's still tanky today. It's down about 10%. What will it take for the stock to turn around? And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Night Round. So stick with Kramer.
4: Tomorrow. Kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE.
3: It gets very beleaguering. What? Got Tesla up 5%. There you go, David. Way to nail it. Thank you. you. Way to just drive it home. It all
4: starts at 9 a.m. Eastern.
3: sell-off has been brutal for all sorts of stocks but among the worst hit group are the cloud plays going to september the cloud was the sexiest story around you had all these fast-growing enterprise software companies that were saving their customers a fortune because long-term cloud-based software is a lot cheaper than buying programs and storing them on your own services that's what's called on-prem on-premises very very bad i've been telling you this for a long long time now september and october tend to be very difficult uh, months for stocks that are winners. As a matter of fact, winners have been getting obliterated, if only because we're approaching the end of the year, the fiscal end of the year for money managers, and they like to take profits rather than have them taken away. By the way, the last four days of October are seasonally very strong because they're done with the selling, which brings me to Workday, one of our faves, the cloud-based software company that helps businesses save money by automating all sorts of human resources, payroll, and financial management jobs. You know, I think, this, the world of this story. But in many ways, Workday, the stock, well, let's say it marked the high for the group. At the beginning of September, the company reported a terrific quarter, and its stock got slammed anyway. That's a tell. Then three weeks ago, Workday held a very bullish analyst day, and once again, the stock got hit. In fact, the darn thing has come down $28 or more than 18%, 18% from September highs. Again, this weakness has very little to do with fundamentals, which we know are excellent. Like all growth stocks, Workday tends to become less attractive to big institutional investors when the Fed won't stop talking about inflation because inflation erodes the value of the company's long-term earnings. The actual company, though, is still doing great, and that's what we care about on Mad Money. In fact, they recently acquired Adaptive Insights. That's a cloud-based business planning platform for $1.55 billion over the summer. You know what? I think this could be an important acquisition because it broadens the whole spectrum of what Workday can do for you, but do not take it from me. Earlier today, we had a chance to check in with Anil Bushry. He's the co-founder and CEO of Workday, and Tom Bogan. He's the CEO of Adaptive Insights. Now it's their newest subsidiary take a look neil first congratulations tom congratulations when i look at this deal it is not so called a lot of money but i think it brings a lot of scale can you define how much this means in terms of new clients and in terms of upsell sure Uh, well for us it was a lot of money (laughs) right i know but i think it's Uh, going to bring a market cap that's much bigger I,
5: i hope so we had this vision for uh, for enterprise applications, that that starts with planning, moves to execution, moves to analysis, and that's how a business works. You come up with a plan, you execute against that plan, you analyze the results, and you d- do it all over again. Uh, we had tried to do planning on our own, but came to the conclusion that we were several years behind companies like Adaptive and needed to be in that market today. Uh, it adds another five billion dollars of market opportunity to us uh tom will tell you about how many customers they have but a strong customer base but it also rounds out that vision where we're now the first and only company that can deliver planning execution analysis as one unified
3: platform and tom i think that when i look at the clients it's a different base so it's therefore additive particularly if you use his fantastic enterprise sales
6: rep group right that's right jim and we have over four thousand customers Using Adaptive Insights Business Planning Cloud, and we have an opportunity to accelerate our business, particularly with larger enterprise customers where Workday has
3: such a strong base. Now, I uh, loath to talk about traditional rivalries, but I went on uh, Gardner Peer Insights. And sure enough, what comes up in you? You versus Oracle. (laughs) And I have to tell you that the, uh, let's just say that you fare very well when it comes to would you recommend and they don't. How does this help you, given that there's clearly people who think it's competitive? How does it help you take them on?
5: So, uh, you know, it's all about solving customer problems. And planning is a critical part of, Every business and getting into the CFO's office, I think the the thing that we have and, and adaptive shared is a very happy customer base and that's what we 're all in business for and that's our that's our biggest advantage we're both born in the cloud, which gives you a huge advantage no no legacy baggage uh, born in the cloud, modern technology, happy customers and I think I, you know I think that together with the the employee centric cultures, I, I like our chances.
3: You know, I, just for the record, 93% said they would recommend you, 62% said recommend Oracle. Tom, you guys go way back, been friends for 15 years. At the same time, this deal happened rather rapidly because weren't you about to go public? We were, Jim. We were on our IPO roadshow.
6: And I think the key was the alignment of cultures of the two companies. Uh, very customer-centric, very employee-centric. And, and with the working relationship Anil and I had, there was a lot of trust, which was required to do a deal in a very short time frame.
3: Now, when you talk about holistic, collaborative planning, I am sure there's some people out there saying, well, that sounds like mumbo-jumbo. Tell me why that's not mumbo-jumbo. In business, planning sits
6: at the execution at the, at the intersection of execution and strategy, and everybody in the business has to plan and adaptive insights platform makes it easy for people from across the business to do planning together okay
3: now uh, my wife told me I should ask you she 's on the board of Bucknell Bucknell is a gl- good workday client she believes that you can help keep the costs of tuition down which may be one of the most troubling parts of our country. How can Workday do
5: that? Well, in general, cloud, whether it's the Workday applications or the uh, adaptive applications, run at a lower cost than traditional legacy applications. And we think over a five-year period, we're about 50% of the cost of those legacy systems. And you can redeploy those, uh, those dollars into better classes, uh, lower tuition. Hopefully, we can, we can help. Uh, in the case of universities, we actually have a student system as well, so we really deliver the full scope of applications for universities.
3: Excellent. All right, so Tom, now that you're part of Workday, we look at, you could have been public yourself. The market has been very tough, and it's been tough for cloud companies. How do you feel about now, you don't have the individual glare that you would have, but the volatility is a little shaking to to you, isn't it? Well, there's a lot of volatility in the market,
6: but we're focused on the long term and delivering long-term value to customers, and that will create value. And the opportunity to do it as a workday company, we think accelerates our, our business strategy. Okay. Now, Anil, a couple
3: quarters ago, I can't remember which one, I should know it, but, but you talked about a sales a, a glitch in your sales force. And, and you said you get it fixed. And we were in a market that was unforgiving and figured, therefore, are you kidding me? Who is this Mr. Bushry? But you did. Now, that's a different kind of decline in the stock. That was self-inflicted because yeah. you were honest. Then this time, this is just a vicissitude sell-off, isn't it?
5: You know the market's better than I do, but, you know, business is good. Uh, nothing's, nothing has changed this year. Pipelines are healthy. Businesses, business feels good. Our win rates are, are exactly where we want them to be. Uh, we were top 10 best places to work, and this, this past week, we were number one on that Fortune Future 50, the the companies that are the most innovative companies in the world. So it feels like things are continuing to head in the right direction. The stock market
3: right now is just very volatile, and I just try not to look at it. Right. Well, I congratulate you because I know that's a very hard-fought honor to get. Tom, I'm going to leave with you because I just want to know, will we see you, or is this it for Tom Bogan in terms of the exposure? Because I enjoy talking to you.
6: Well, it's— You'll uh, see Tom. (laughs) Definitely.
3: (laughs) As part of Workday. All right. That's Anil Bush, CEO of Workday. And Tom Bogan, CEO of Adaptive Insights, now part of Workday. Thank you very much. It is time. It's time for the light round. <laughs> and then the lighting round is over. Are you ready, Skid Daddy, time for the night round question. Let's start with Jack in Ohio. Jack.
1: Hey, thanks for taking my call, Jimmy. Helping me out with what it looks like to be a good, steady income stock for my holdings. What Realty income ticker O.
3: Uh, no, if I'm going to go with the real estate investment trust, I'm going to go where I think that there is now no longer a surfeit of properties. That's nursing homes, and I want to buy Ventos, 5.7% yield, Deb Kapar. Ah. Let's go to Mark in Michigan. Mark.
5: Oh, maestro of market magnificence, I seek enlightenment on KLXE. Explain to me
1: how an oil servicing company has a PE of three when it's working in the continental U.S. for U.S.
3: companies. Well, because I think that that means that it's the absolute peak, and if I were you, I would sell, sell, sell. Okay, let's go to Sam in Pennsylvania. Sam. Hey, Jim. Booyah. Booyah. Hey, I have a question about ST Microelectronics, symbol STM. Yeah, commodity, I play. Got in. commodity play. No interest in it whatsoever. I got some very good semiconductors like Texas Instruments. They're down really bad if close. Can't make a judgment on why to buy SD Micro. Let's go to Dave in Ohio. Dave.
1: Jim, thanks for your help over of the course, years. Of with course. the stock again falling to a 52-week low earlier today, buy, sell, hold, Fifth Third Bank, FITV.
3: Okay, I will tell you that I saw this stop it. I saw this group put in a bottom today, and I think you can actually finally pick up ah, some filter. Uh It's been a hideous, hideous decline for these stocks, and I think the decline is being put in the same way I think that the bottom in housing is being put in. I need to go to, uh, that's in the uh, housing stocks. I need to go to Brad in Missouri. Brad. Hey, Mr. Kramer. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. And, uh, you, you and your staff do for uh, small investors. Uh,
6: I'm calling about Huron Therapeutics HRTX they're supposedly going to get FDA approval in November for a non-opioid uh, painkiller and it's come down from about 42 my cost basis is 20 so I was wondering what you recommended.
3: Well I think we have to be careful frankly because I'd rather see it by canopy because that's a non-opioid painkiller if there ever were one canopy, canopy was being used to be able to get short the can the, uh, the entire uh, plethora of all these pot stocks in Canada. And Canopy's incredibly cheap with a lot of cash underneath. I'd rather see you own that stock. Let's go to Royce. In, Joyce in New York. Joyce.
0: Hi, Jim. A uh, Belated healthy and happy new year to you. Oh, thank you, Sam. Uh, Jim, I'd love to have your opinion on um, whether I should hold, even if it's a long-time hold, or sell LKQ.
3: Oh, the auction company. No, you can't sell it that here. It's just this, this stock, stock is in the house of pain, but it's really ridiculous. It shouldn't be this low. It's a pretty good company. Got a very low PE. I would be a buyer. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round!
4: Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
3: Okay, what the heck happened to the stock of Logitech International today? This company, which makes computer peripherals like keyboards and mice, along with headphones, mobile speakers, video conferencing gear, tablet accessories, remote controls, all kinds of expensive high-end gaming equipment, had been a huge winner in recent years. But when Logitech reported last night, the numbers were, I us say, call them uh, less than perfect. While the company delivered a modest top and bottom line beat, uh, these were record numbers in absolute terms. When you drill down, you see some real areas of what I regard as weakness. Logitech missed revenue expectations in five out of nine major product segments. On top of that, the company merely maintained its guidance when many investors hoped they would raise numbers. At the end of August, the stock was up nearly 50% for the year. Now it's only up about 7%. That's a bruising, even as Logitech's still a terrific long-term performer. So exactly how worried should we be? I think we need to dig deeper with Bracken Darrell. He's the president and CEO of Logitech, get a better sense of the quarter and where the company's headed. Mr. Dow. welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, it's great to be
1: here, Jim. Thank you.
3: Okay, so bracket, I'm looking, I'm trying to decide which metrics I should cattle. The gross margins were definitely what I wanted. You've got incredible leverage to e-sports, e-gaming. I think that's great, but then I'm drawn to some of these revenue numbers. Uh, I look at, say, uh, mobile speakers, I look at smart home, and then I say, well, maybe I'm being too bullish. Could you explain and let's say he solved my conundrum.
1: Let me, let me uh, relax you a little bit. So first, the two categories that I would focus on, or three categories I'd focus on are first gaming. As you said, we grew 43%. We're on a tear. And you know the whole story. You discovered it first. Second one is video collaboration. It's, our, it's, our, it's, it's also on a tear. Grew 25%. Actually, the sellout underneath that grew 50 So it's on a tear. Third, that old core business that everybody has given up on grew 8%. It's still a very healthy business. It's growing nicely. So those are the three numbers I would focus on. The Bluetooth speaker number is we're in a transition. We're bringing out two new versions of the boom and the mega boom. So we were forcing out the old ones for the last two, two and a half quarters. And now we're bringing in the new ones. So that's in transition. And the home business is a tiny business for us. It's 1% of our total business. I wouldn't even bother looking at it.
3: Well, okay, so it, it, we have to define why the stock did go down. I mean, the rap is, obviously, that you uh, did not blow out the numbers, and we're all so used to you blowing out the numbers. Uh, can we rationalize that expectations got too high and all you did was deliver your usual greatness?
1: Well, you know, uh, I, here's the story. So we, we grew double-digit. We grew 10%. We, last quarter, you'll remember, we, we raised our guidance both top line and bottom line, so it would have been kind of odd for us to raise two quarters in a row. We. As you said, our gross margin, which in my view is the most important number right. on a P&L, we hit the upper end of the guidance, and we over-deliver our profit, and we, we deliver very strong on the profit line. So overall, I think it was a strong quarter.
3: Now, I know that uh, you were asked by a fellow from Maine First Bank, don't really know them, about the uh, processing shortages, uh, Intel shortage, and what that did to you. Now, I figured because your gross margin is so good, it's really a non-factor. But it, but I just am curious to know what is going on in terms of uh, semiconductors as shortages semiconductors and Logitech.
1: You know, I think you know. Semiconductors. We obviously use a lot of chipsets throughout our different products, but for we really haven't had a problem with chipsets or the other components that are running in shortages in China. We have a fantastic operations team, very long-standing relationships with our suppliers, and we've been able, been able to get exactly what we need when we need it.
3: All right. So, speak to me about esports because you know that in the when the uh, let's just say when the dust settles, we're going to be looking at those revenue numbers and realize between that and keyboards, that's all we need to, th- to look at because that's what this company's becoming. If you wanted to shut the stuff that's slower right now, you could do it and, and raise the multiple of your stock. It does appear to me, <laughs> it does appear to me that what was on fire is just getting hotter.
1: It is getting hotter, Jim. You know, esports, we launched two, two new mice this quarter. We launched one that we we spent two years developing it with pros directly with pros. It weighs 80 grams, super super light, and then the other one we took the the biggest mouse the biggest mouse in the gaming business and we upgraded it with the the best sensor in the world, and so and it's it's on fire. So, uh, and our business is super super hot.
3: All right, so, Bracken, are you ready to do what I think uh, smart business people are doing, including a a friend of mine, which is begin to get behind Little League teams of gamers? Because we have a progression. If you're a baseball player, well, you've got uh, Little League, a basketball. I played bitty basketball with hopes of one day I'd be a pro. There's there's Pop (laughs) Warner. I thought maybe I'd be a pro. You know what I'm talking about. Now we have NCAA scholarships that are coming. A Logitech-branded yep. uh, seven, eight, nine-year-old team would make it so that your company would have gaming uh, for ages and a stream of revenue that would be remarkable.
1: We we so believe in this, Jim. You know, um, there's a there's a company, a startup called Super League Gaming that's, that has teams across the United States and all the major cities, has the equivalent of of uh, kind of Little League and Biddy Basketball and... And pop warner football all kind of combined and we have invested in that company because we do really believe in this so we're right on it
3: how about though on the software side what do you have
1: well you know software we when i started the company we had uh, i think no we had firmware engineers but no real software engineers today about one out of three of our engineers are software engineers in our product groups and we're adding software throughout our business in our in our Jaybird business, the earphone business now, you've got, we've got a really nice app where you can customize the sound, and you've got a, an incredible equalizer and some really cool things coming that I just looked at this morning. Uh, so we've got software coming into every product line. We've got AI in our video conferencing equipment, which is cool.
3: And uh, the last thing I want to you know, just in terms of your, uh, uh, your judgment, Fortnite or Red Dead Redemption 2? What do you think? Uh,
1: I'm going to go with um, Fortnite.
3: Whoa, I don't want to tell six so Zell like that. He'll come up. <laughs> he'll find you. He has a particular oh, set no, of those skills. Are. You better be careful. <laughs> anyway, look, I think gaming's huge, and you didn't d- diminish my order for it one bit. Thank you so much for coming on. Brackendale, President Thank and CEO you, of Loncheck. Good to see you, sir. Thanks
1: they have, so much.
3: Mayor Money's back after the break. Do not bite if the market opens up. You need a down-opening for a real rally and nothing else. I like to say there's always been a bull market somewhere. promise to find it just for you. Right here at Man Money. I'm Jim Kramer, and I'll see you tomorrow.
2: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and...